This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The CNIB in New Brunswick is bringing back a few in-person social events for the holiday season. Community reporter Natalie Fougere has the highlights. Natalie is in Moncton, New Brunswick. Hey, good morning, Natalie. Nice to chat with you once again. Good morning, Dave. It's this, as usual, great to be here. Yeah, always, always lovely to talk to you. So, Natalie, I think I know the answer to this question, but how are you feeling about a couple of shindigs here in the holiday season? Oh, I'm feeling very, very excited and looking forward for this to to be coming back for some of these activities. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's funny. In my brain, I'm thinking to myself, it's 2023. We're years and years and years removed from the start of the pandemic. But when you really think about it, the in-person events, especially for what I would call more disability-centric organizations, they've only really kicked off in the last sort of six months to a year for, for good reason, right? A little extra caution for people who might be a little bit more at risk. But what do you think the vibe yeah. is generally for folks to uh, get back and get do a little bit of uh, mingling and hanging out? Oh, I well, having been part of a few local in-person activities already that have been started, I know that people are just so excited and uh, really, uh, really looking forward to seeing each other once again. Which, uh, which parts of the province are going to be throwing these parties? Because it's not just one or two places. There's a few going on. Exactly. So there's like three events that I have here that I can mention. So the first one will be happening in Miramichi on December the 5th. So very soon Uh, it's going to be organized by the Alliance Club. It's going to be a a Christmas dinner as uh, people in Miramichi used to have uh, before. So they're going to be hosting a dinner. Uh, So that'll be very exciting. Also, uh, the next event will be on uh, December the 11th here in Moncton. So it's going to be held by the Lions. It's going to be at a different location, though. This time it's going to be at a a community center um, on Joy Street in Moncton. And uh, the other event is um, on the 15th. I do believe there's going to be an afternoon at the Fredericton Library. So that's going to be another, like, Christmas theme activity. So these are great opportunities for people to get out. Get out and about, enjoy the time of the season, absolutely. Now, there are some points of contact here. Uh, it's it's going to be uh, Caroline Leblanc at cnib.ca. I'm going to spell that out a little bit later, Natalie, because I know for the next CNIB event you want to talk about, uh, Caroline is also the person people should be reaching out to. So if it's not just shindiggery or a party that you're looking for, there's also CNIB's Tech Talk Tuesdays. They're helping bring people together and offer a little bit of insight in the uh, rapidly and fastly changing world of technology. Natalie, why did you want to take a little time to highlight what CNIB is up to with the Tech Talk Tuesdays? Well, I think that it's definitely an event that does bring people together. And now in day in this changing world, as you say, technology is so important. And I it 
it gives a good chance for people that live with vision loss to talk amongst each other about what's new, whether it's uh, like an Apple product, Android, or screen readers, or anything like that. So uh, it's uh, it's been going on for many years, but now with the coordinator who had uh, retired that was there before, three volunteers decided to uh, take over this event. So it's going to be online on Zoom, so anyone can actually uh, have access to it, like a CNIB clients. And uh, it's going to be a, it's a great opportunity of discussion, sometimes demonstration, people can ask questions. And I, I do learn a lot when I'm part of these events, for sure. Natalie, what's some of the tech that you find yourself uh, messing around with? Uh, the, the iPhones, smartphones, iPads, other adaptive tech, what, what do you find yourself playing around with? Well, I do have an iPhone. I'm on my iPhone right now. Uh, I do have an iPad. I also work with a PC. I want to say an old-fashioned PC, but because I do work with JAWS, like the screen reader as well. But I and I find it does still have its purpose. So with a lot of the apps that are going on, there's so much to learn. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's great. Uh, Natalie, the daily poll today is actually about technology. Folks can find it at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. And this is actually about smart home technology. So maybe that might be like the Amazon devices, uh, Apple Home, Google Home. And the question that I'm asking, I know it's framed a little bit in the negative, but it just felt like maybe that was going to elicit a better response. But it's what's stopping you from investing in smart home tech? Uh, the price, the reliability, security, or the other answer is nothing. I've already got some. Where are you at with the smart home tech? Well, that, that's kind of why I'm laughing because I do have both devices that were mentioned uh, at home, which I won't say their name because then it could start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It> could start. <laughs> but uh, 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 actually, but a lot, I heard a lot of people saying for security reasons, because it like that we are listened to and everything, like people are, are a bit hesitant or not knowing where to go. But I, I find that it does have its purpose for sure. Outstanding. So if folks want to get involved on that one, at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. And if you want to take part in CNIB's Tech Talk Tuesdays, they are run over Zoom, which is fantastic. And for more information, here you go. Now I'm going to say it again, Caroline.Leblanc at cnib.ca. I'll spell that out for you guys. Caroline is pretty self-evident, but C-A-R-O-L-I-N-E dot Leblanc. L-E-B-L-A-N-C at cnib.ca, caroline.leblanc at cnib.ca. So, Natalie, speaking of the daily polls, there was one earlier this week that we asked that caught your attention. You reached out, you said, I've got I've to share an opinion on this one. We were talking all about low-cost or no-cost holiday gifts and baking was one of the big winners on that poll. You wanted to at least put the idea out about what about healthy food as a great gift over the holiday season? Yes, um, absolutely. So uh, I what I've discovered in the last few years uh, that I find is very beneficial are um, Epicure uh, products. So these are products that are 
like a, not only low sodium, but they're also gluten-free and nut-free. And there's so many different, um, they're, they're different seasonings. So whether it's in bottles or in packages uh, of different seasonings to make in order to make different recipes. And that what's great is that on the packaging, now I know that's visual, but they're also found online. There's uh, recipes like with each pack of seasoning uh, that are that's able to be used. And uh, because of all that, like low sodium, it does make for healthier options. Even some of the uh, dessert options, uh, they are actually healthier options than uh, than usual. So these are definitely great uh, great gifts, and they have different packages, even spe uh, specifically for like for the holidays and for different occasions. So I, I found that these products were really uh, I, I found them extremely beneficial since I've discovered them. You know, one of the best gifts that I ever got at the holidays was a homemade uh, bottle of spice from my cousin and his wife at the time. Natalie, it was such a thoughtful, amazing gift, and it tasted so good. So I think this is a great example, right, of handing somebody a gift that is going to be useful, they're probably going to like, they can incorporate it in their life, and let's be honest, it's not going to take up too much clutter space either. No, that's exactly it. And it, it is actually, it is quite affordable for the, the quality that we get. Yeah, absolutely. So again, the name of this brand is Epicure, Epicure, E-P-I-C-U-R-E, -E, Epicure. And you can visit epicure.com to uh, learn more about uh, those spices. Hey, Nels, uh, Natalie, thank you for taking the time to a chat this morning. All the best to you over the holiday season. Enjoy those parties and those shindigs and talk to you in 2024. Thank you so much. Happy holidays to you as well. That's Natalie Fougere, a community reporter in Moncton, New Brunswick. In one minute, a famous mockumentary is getting a sequel. Laura Bain will tell you about it in the entertainment report. But first, Apple is adding new emergency features on iPhones. Mike Dubusky has the story in Tech Trends. Newer iPhone models are now capable of sending text messages even when your phone doesn't have service. Jennifer Pattinson Tui with The Verge says it's done by sending a signal to low-flying satellites. Apple's emergency roadside assistance service is using Global Star's satellite system, which are 24 satellite constellations that are low-Earth orbit satellites. She says it's designed primarily for emergency situations, when your car is on the side of the road in a remote area, which also means... You don't actually have to have a AAA membership. Uh, you can still connect just by typing roadside in a text message. You do need to actually be out of cell phone service or Wi-Fi service for it to work. And it's only available on the iPhone 14 and 15, which means, for now at least, no support for Android users. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubusky, <laughs> ABC News. I think there's a certain Captain Obvious in this there, uh, Mike. Hey, it's a feature for Apple, so... No luck for Android users. I, I think anybody who was an Android user probably already assumed that. I'm, I'm teasing you, Mike. You do great work over there on the tech trends every day. Let's bring in Laura Bain for the Entertainment Report. Laura, a sequel to an 80s cult classic mockumentary has been announced. What's going on? Yeah, I'm wondering if anyone out there is taking a guess when we say 
mockumentary from the 1980s. So we are talking about a sequel to This Is Spinal Tap. Oh my gosh. Um, one of the best known mockumentaries of all time. So 1984, about the fictional British metal band, This uh, Spinal Tap rather, whose claim to fame was being one of England's loudest bands. <laughs> um, <laughs> not greatest, but loudest. And the film, of course, was a complete cult classic. So for the sequel, Rob Rayner is going to be taking up his role as director Marty DeBerge again. So that's exciting. And he's shooting, of course, a second, uh, like a sequel. Like, I'm not saying that well. The idea is he's shooting a second documentary on the band. And that's kind of the raison d'etre for the sequel. And it, what's exciting is that it's going to be bringing back pretty much all of the original mm, mm. cast for this film. So I think that's really important. And there's been some other announcements around it. It's going to feature Paul McCartney, Elton John, Garth Brooks. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, <laughs> just some small names there. Uh, and other surprises have been teased. I'm kind of curious if Fran Drescher is going to come back because she oh, was in the... yeah! Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of genuinely curious how they're going to handle this, Laura, because 40 years is a long, long time. And a lot yeah. of the artists depicted were already, I'm going to say, a smidge older. I don't want to get into ageism mm -hmm. over here. But even in the original This Is Spinal Tap, a lot of the folks were already at least portrayed as a little bit older. So I kind of wonder how they're going to manage that time notion. And I also wonder how self-referential this is going to be, how meta it's going to be, sort of the understanding of playing in reboot culture and maybe taking swipes at themselves within reboot or sequel culture. Yeah, those are those are really good thoughts. Um I didn't like I didn't look up how old the actors are, but I think you're right that we may be getting into like senior citizen territory here. So that will be <laughs> that will be interesting. Like if they're still out rocking or they're just like reflecting back on that time. Um and a lot of Spinal Tap was uh was improvised. So I'm curious if they're going to be doing that because that'll oh, be really yeah. cool to see with like Elton John and Paul McCartney kind of doing some some improvised stuff there. Um yeah, shooting is set to start in February, and the release is planned to be in March of 2024. So that'll be the 40th anniversary of when the original film came out. Oh, amazing. Amazing form of mockumentary. Like you said, This Is Spinal Tap was probably one of the first breakthrough mockumentaries for fear of making too many ref of doing comedy, because I think you can really lean into absurdity. You can create characters and just give them those shreds or morsels of reality and then just to borrow a spinal tapism turn it up to 11 and just really get into oddities and weirdnesses and maybe i'll point to uh two forms of mockumentary that i think are really standing the test of comedic time one of them was the american television show the office which really started as a straight documentary, a mockumentary. In the end, it evolved to be a little bit more narrative, but that was always the style, right? It was meant to be capturing the life in the average American office. And it just worked because you built these awesome characters. And then maybe a little bit more strict to the genre, there's a director named Christopher Guest who's made a series of amazing documentary uh, mockumentaries, his best being a movie called Best in Show, which is all about the, com the competitive dog show world. It is 
uproariously absurd and funny. And I think there's just something that mockumentary lets you do that allows for some kind of social commentary without overtly having to make the commentary. Yeah, that might be it. And I did appreciate, by the way, the turn it up to 11 reference. Thank you. There. Um, but when I, I brought this story forward, I thought, you know, I haven't seen a lot of mockumentaries other than uh, This is Spinal Tap. But that's not true when it comes to TV shows. And you mentioned The Office, but also like Parks and Rec, mm -hmm. Arrested Development. Mm -hmm. I thought about Trailer Park Boys. Oh. So I do really appreciate it when it comes to television. And I think it's, you know, yeah, it does kind of allow you to make that social commentary. There's something about the awkward pacing that I love in a mockumentary. Like, it, there's a lot of pauses um, that really work, I think, for me on a comedic level. And also just, like, some of the camera work that's sort of shaky and sort of haphazard, I, I find very entertaining. So, yeah, I, I like it when it comes to the TV genre. Now, this is a, this is a sequel. Uh, what do you feel about sequels? Are they, Ugh. do they work sometimes or in general, you're not a fan? I think they can work, but I'm just so sick of what I would call uh, laziness in Hollywood right now that this is Spinal Tap was something that was deeply original. And I just don't know if the sequel can capture that magic. And I think more often than not, especially in the contemporary collection of sequels, it's very difficult to capture the magic. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's going to help help you out on this at all, but the director did say they've had a lot of calls over the years to make a sequel, but they didn't want to do it unless they could really do it right and do it credit. So, you know, I guess we'll see. I like that. I yeah. like that. I like that as a mentality, right? I, I I think that if the director can acknowledge that, that hey, we want we didn't want to come to the table until we had a great idea. Maybe unlike the uh, fifteen years between the first Zoolander and the second Zoolander, it's like right. we just went back. We just went back and wanted to make a movie, and the reality was a stinky movie. Same thing with Anchorman too. Like I think especially in comedy, you can really lose the magic. Yeah, you definitely want to see them doing something different with it for sure. Yeah. Hey, Laura, thank you for this. I know I always keep you over time during the course of the day. I hope I don't make you late for class every time I do this. No, no, no classes <laughs> today to worry about, Dave. Okay, fantastic. I promise not to abuse the privilege. Laura, have a great day. You as well. That is Laura Bain with the Entertainment Report. Coming up after the break, a very short regional news update. And then Brock Richardson wants to talk about some of the fallout that happens after a Paralympic qualification, particularly in team sports. A real bit of insider knowledge from an elite Paralympian. So Brock, Brock Richardson is going to share a little bit of lived experience in about uh, two minutes and 30 seconds. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv and beautiful streaming audio at amiplus.ca. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.